It is in that regard that I'm turning to Jeremiah chapter 35. I don't have many minutes left, do I? But in verse number one, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. (laughs) I kind of laugh at that because, you know, it might be some of you that'd like to get an invitation like that. Coming to the house of the Lord and free wine. And look, but let's go. Then I took Jazariah, or Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah. I've done a pretty good job with these names. You've got you to admit that. A man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalem, the keeper of the door. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. I just want to say offhand that that's probably one thing you'll never hear me ever ask you to do. But I want to talk about teaching values that give your family a blessed future. Father, I do ask that today as we enter the Christmas season and we recognize how important values were in the home of Mary, the mother of Jesus, raising the Christ child and how important they are to us, that you would help me to impart the essence of the truth of this message. And that I also pray that, Lord, we can see that it really The importance of values extends way back into the Old Testament and far beyond the birth of Christ into the future, even beyond our time. The need for values to be imported is extraordinarily significant. Help us to communicate this today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. The College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia is the second oldest institution of learning in the United States. It was founded in 1693 and named after King William III and Queen Mary of England, the only university in the United States that is older is Harvard. In 1744, the university sent a letter, this is the truth, this actually happened to six Native American chiefs offering a free education to 12 of their young braves. The chiefs politely declined the offer with the following reply. Several of our young people were formerly brought up at the colleges of the northern provinces. They were instructed in all your sciences, but when they came back to us, they were bad runners, ignorant of every means of living in the woods, unable to bear cold or hunger, knew neither how to build a cabin, take a deer, or kill an enemy, spoke our language imperfectly, and were therefore neither fit for hunters, warriors, or counselors. They were totally good for nothing. The chiefs then made an offer of their own. If the gentlemen of Virginia will send us a dozen of their sons, we will take care of their education, instruct them in all we know, and make men out of them. Wow. It's interesting that even then universities and colleges gave young men an education, but didn't teach them how to become men. I've taken more classes and more subjects in my lifetime than I can recall. But never once have I taken a class on manhood. It wasn't offered, not even as an elective. 
We've also forgotten what a real woman is in today's world. We've also overlooked what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman. There aren't many classes offered about that either. Because these are no longer considered to be important and necessary skills in helping us raise our children, you know what's happened? We have lost sight of what our values are supposed to be. Our kids don't know what is expected of them when they're grown. Values have always best been taught in a family. God gave Jeremiah a rather unusual instruction, as I've already pointed out. Read the verses. He called for the house of the Rechabites to bring them into the temple, into one of the rooms. And he set before them wine and instructed them that they should drink. But they, to his surprise, turned down his hospitality. Must have caught him off guard. For apparently they saw the look of bewilderment and confusion on his face. And felt the need to explain why they could not accept his offer. They turned him down by saying, we will drink no wine. This is Jeremiah 35 verse 6. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father commanded us saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons forever. Whoa, forever? You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these, but all your days you shall dwell in tents that you may live many days. That's supposed to be many. Sorry for the typo, but it came right out of the scripture. In the days where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor to have a vineyard field or seed, we have dwelt in tents and have commanded, I've obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded this, commanded us rather. Jeremiah thirty-five sixteen. This is what God said about that. He said, "Surely the sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which you have commanded them." But then God told Jeremiah, "This people, talking about Israel, have not obeyed me." Now let me tell you the history. The Rechabites were a tribe that lived in the promised land. And they knew that they would be expelled unless they complied with the promises of God. And their father, Jonadab, said, we don't want you getting drunk, doing something that will bring dishonor upon us, causing us to be cast out of this promised land. And here is the writer. This is the catch. I want you to see, this is the hook in all this, that they got to live in the promised land even though they were not supposed to be there. Because they taught values to their children that their children embraced. And their forefather told them, don't do anything that is going to be offensive in this. Don't take their promised land away from them. You can live in it, but you live as nomads and you can enjoy the blessing of a land that flows with milk and honey. And you know what is amazing about this? The Rechabites still exist today. They do. I've been to the Middle East. They are still identified. They will tell you who they are. 27 centuries after they received this instruction, they're still living there in the promised land. They are still obeying those commandments. The children of Israel actually got carried away into Babylon. They were dispersed in the first century in AD 70. So they haven't always lived in their own promised land. But guess who stayed there? The Rechabites, because they honored the value of the, the values imparted 
into them by their father. The world is in trouble today because many parents and families no longer have godly values they feel compelled to live by. And then they leave the next generation to suffer the trouble and the consequences of being raised without values. They don't feel the need to teach their children. They feel that the world is doing it for us. I want to just say halt for a minute. Time out. Let's turn things down. Slow it down. Come to a stop. Alto. You know, let's hold on. Put on the brakes. Because the world is not going to teach your family values. We expect them to, but they're not. And it's been a slow fade because there once was a time they did. The need, you need to understand how we actually got to where we are today. Many years ago, our great-great-grandparents wanted to make sure their families received the right kind of training to be successful in life. And so they established schools in this new land of the United States and started sending their children to schools rather than educate them at home because many of them didn't have the kind of education that they could pass on to their kids. They wanted their kids to go further, just like you want your children to go further than you do. And so they hired teachers and we supported teachers by paying taxes. And and at schools, they were taught the subjects that we believed they would need to do well in to do well in life. And you know what happened? Values that were taught at home in the schools were also being taught in in these in the values rather that were being taught at home were also being taught in the schools and we the schools reinforced what we believed in our homes you younger folk don't know what i'm talking about but there was a day as i was misbehaved i was not only punished at school i was punished when i got home and if i did something in the neighborhood you know what they did <laughs> the neighbors whipped me and sent me home and i got another one and some of y'all don't remember those kind of days when values were so important that everybody contributed to try to raise the child correctly. And the African expression, and I'm there constantly, week in, week out, like Cindy is there. You know, the African expression is it takes a village to raise a child. But we've drifted a long way from that in this nation, unfortunately. Amen. And you know what happened? Slowly, they stopped teaching the values that we believe were necessary in our schools and universities. It's not that our teachers don't want to. We have godly teachers here, professors here that want to, but their hands are tied. You understand what I'm saying? At the same time this was going on, guess what happened? The economy changed. And Madison Avenue began to talk to you about all the stuff you didn't have. So you weren't happy anymore. Because you didn't have all of these things that were being displayed on the television screen in commercials. And all of a sudden, the happy little life you live was now miserable because you had to go out and get some of this. And to pay for it, guess what happened? Mom also had to work. And the next thing you know, you've got kids that are being raised by the school. I'm just talking to you right out of my heart. And I'll tell you what, we have godly people in this school district and in the others. And by the way, go North Shore. Amen. Amen. We've got coaches in this church that, that, that instruct their teachers. We have professors. Some of the school board members are members here. And this is my point. This is my point. They do the best they can. But you know what they can't ever do? They can never supply what was supposed to be given in the home in the first place. Somebody ought to give God a praise right now. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus grew in stature. Amen. And in favor with God and with man. The Bible said he learned obedience by the things he suffered. There were values that had to be taught. And you know where they were taught? In the home. And so we started expecting the teachers. We were so busy. We started expecting the schools and the universities to import our values. There's not a parent in this place that doesn't fear when their young person goes off to university now. Not a one. Because you know they're going to run into a bunch of professors that are going to tell them, you don't need to believe anything your parents taught you. You don't need to believe in God. You don't need to believe that you're divinely created. You don't need to believe all of that. Leave all of that. You're going to be better educated than your parents were. And I want to tell you what, professing themselves to be wise, some people become as fools as what the Bible said in the book of Romans. No disrespect intended. But the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You need God in your life. You need God in your life. Your child's going to need God in his or her life. Do you hear me? When they grow up and get married, they're going to need God. They're going to need God to help them raise their kids. They're going to need godly values. And again, I'm not blaming our school system because what we did is we, we as believers just were silent while all of this slowly occurred. Like I said, it was a slow fade. Like putting the frog in a, a pot of cold water and then slowly turning on the heat. And he doesn't even know he's dying because he's a reptile. And so he doesn't experience the change in temperature until it's too late. You put him in a pot of hot water, he'll try to jump out. But because it's a slow fade, my point, you get it? Everybody say that, slow fade. Things occur. And this is what you need to know. That Christmas time reminds us that we have to have values as a family. Families come back together at Christmas. They, they reunite. They might not see each other all year because they live scattered across the U.S. But at Christmas time, we try to get home. It's like the man that called his son and told him, your mom and I get in a divorce after 45 years of marriage. His son lived off in Illinois. He lived here in Texas. And so his son said, what? Divorce after 45 years? You've got to be kidding me. He called his daughter who lived in Colorado and said, your mom and I get in a divorce after 45 years of marriage. And she screamed, what did you say? Divorce. They hung up and the brother called the sister and said, we got to get in there right now. Mom and dad are about to have a divorce. The dad who had just hung up the phone turned to his wife and said, our kids are coming home for Christmas. And said, so the good news is they're paying for their own tickets this time. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Families come together at Christmas. Christmas reminds us of things that matter. And as I close, I want to tell, ask the question, how do you impart values that will cause blessings to be upon your children for many generations to come? The Rechabites have continued to live in the promised land uninterrupted for 27 centuries because they accepted and continued to teach the values of their father, Jonadab. First of all, now say this quickly, determine what values really matter to you in today's world. I don't say that in a harsh way. I just say it emphatically. You can't believe in everything. If something is red, it can't be green. If it's blue, it can't be yellow. You can't believe in everything. You do have to have some moral absolutes in this world. And to some people, all that matters is themselves and what it takes to make them happy at that moment. 
And that could be money, it could be fun, it could be whatever. But listen, Hebrews eleven twenty four. by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. In your Bible, circle the verse choosing, because sin is a choice, choosing to suffer. Amen. The afflictions rather than choosing sin. Then circle the word passing because he chose to suffer what he had to go through at that moment rather than experiencing the passing pleasures of sin. Sin only lasts for a season. But you know what happened with the children of Israel? They moved into a promised land where they lived for many generations until disobedience caused them to be expelled. Your choices are what determine whether you get blessed or not. Oh, I wish I could hear somebody say that. You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to love you enough to tell you anyway. You are where you are right now because of the choices you made five years ago. Amen. You don't like where you are right now. Make some different choices. Number two, live the values you want to see in the lives of those you love. Live the values in 1992. A grand dragon in the Ku Klux Klan made front page news. For years, Larry Trapp terrorized a Jewish leader in the community named Michael Weiser, making death threats against him and his synagogue. Then one day, Larry tore up his Nazi flags, destroyed his hate literature, and renounced the KKK. Why? Because when Larry Trapp was died of, di- of a diabetes-related kidney disease, true story, and unable to take care of himself, Michael Weiser took him into his home and cared for him. This is what Larry said. He showed me so much love that I could not help but love him back. And that's what God did for me. He showed me so much love that I could not help but love him back. Can somebody say yes? Teach values that are stronger than those values in the world because the values of the kingdom are greater. Love is stronger than hate. Forgiveness is greater than revenge. And light is stronger than darkness. Number three, build a family altar. Build a family altar. First Samuel two eighteen. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. You know the story. Hannah was born born barren. She got married when she grew up, and like every little girl, dreamed of having kids but couldn't have any, and went to the house of God and prayed until her tears were so bitter that it even caught the eye of the high priest. And the Bible thought says that he thought she was drunk, and he went over and marked her mouth. He just slapped her right in the house of God. How dare you come in here drinking? And she said, whoa, wait a minute, sir. I'm not here like one of these daughters of Belial. I'm not drunk in the house of God. And anguish of soul, I poured out my heart to the Lord. And God spoke to him and said, you missed it, Eli, because she was talking to me. And then God spoke to him and said, tell her she's going to have a son that I've heard her prayer. She had that boy. She raised him until he was weaned. And you know what she did? She brought him to the house of God and gave him to the prophet and said, raise my son in the house of God. 
And do you know this is what is important? I'll preach about this someday. Samuel became the high priest and he wasn't even of the tribe of Levi. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. He was an Ephraimite. His dad was an Ephraimite. I'm serious as I can be. I can prove it in scripture. If you have a family altar in your home, your kids can go places they would never go if you don't have a family altar. You know what you ought to do? Let me tell you what I do every day before I I read emails, text messages, before I do anything, I sit down, I worship. I've got my little my little playlist and, and I worship God and I read my Bible and, and I talk to God. You know why? There's nothing going on that's more important than my connection with God. And I'm convinced that most families, most families miss it because we're all so busy. We get up at different times and have different schedules and send our kids away and we don't have a family altar. You pray over them. If you don't have a five minutes, you read a verse of scripture, talk to them about it. You send them out and tell them you're going out of here with destiny over your life. You're going out as a child of God. God's hand is on you. Amen. That's so important. Really is important. Number four, and I'm done. Teach them the awe of sacred things. Teach them the awe of sacred things. Amen. I won't even take the time to read those verses, but I want to tell you something because my time is limited. Let me just get right to the point. You need to teach your family to have regard for the sacredness of God. You know what I saw that blessed me this morning? I looked up in the choir in that last song and I saw some of our men with tears streaming down their faces. Boy, keep Christmas real. Make it about the right thing. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You'll get something in the house of God. You're not going to get anywhere else. On Sunday morning, come to the house of God. Make a commitment to be in church and worship. Not the baby Jesus. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me across the building? And the fifth value is make God real to your family. Make God real to your family. God is real to me. And I'm gonna tell you that every single person will experience a crisis of doubt in the course of your life. It's natural. The devil came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, ah, ah, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now, I'll believe you then. The devil's going to constantly taunt you in the course of your life and try to make you doubt your own faith. But you know what you do? You just keep trusting him anyway. Amen. I love that passage where Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration and brought this man brought his son who was possessed of a demonic spirit and said, Lord, I brought him to your disciples to cast this demon out and they couldn't. And Jesus said, if you believe all things are possible and the man's answer is an astonishingly insightful answer he said lord i believe but help my unbelief you know you can believe and have times of doubt and christmas reminds us how real this is would you gather in with me right now prayer counselors come